This week, I return home and why my city of Hamilton is so haunted, happily dragging me into the world of the paranormal. Hello everyone, my name is Daniel as in Ghost Guide. Welcome to this week's show. I was thinking about it, you know, what would be the uh, coolest thing to cover this week? I, I've had one of those weeks, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, where you're very low energy. Everything that is new to you is very difficult to do. So I've had one of those weeks, and I've fought through it, and I thought, okay, i got to stick with something comfortable this week, something that means a lot to me, and I've talked about many times in the past, and of course I am talking about my own home city of Hamilton, for which I am very proud of. Now, if you're Canadian, you probably have a preconceived notion of uh, what Hamilton is like. I, uh, I can't control that, but I can tell you that People are, are finally starting to notice. Hamilton has been on a few lists on a, a great place to live, finally. Because for many, many years, starting when I was a child, many moons ago, uh, up until maybe about three, four years ago when prices for housing and rent in Toronto went out of control, and people started looking elsewhere, and they, they realized, oh, well, yeah, yeah, the one side of Hamilton has factories. If you're not familiar, it's like the Pittsburgh of Canada. It's a steel town. So one side that everybody drives past on the QEW is just lined with factories. And, and you know, I can even admit does not look good. And the last thing you'd want to do is exit into that city. Although there is another highway, the 403, that goes through a much nicer area known as Coots Paradise it would give you a different view of the city, but more people, I think, travel on the QEW. It's the more busy highway, as far as I know. So people, they have this preconceived notion that Hamilton's not a nice place. But it is. I mean, deep down, once you get past the factories, the conservation areas that we have, uh, the city itself, the shops and restaurants, it's uh, second to none, in my opinion. Now, the other side of it that really attracted me, now, I was born and raised in the city, but of course I can decide to move anytime they're not keeping me hostage. But the, the part that really did kind of, um, that I love, is the history of the place. Now, people have always asked the question, well, what makes Hamilton different than any other city in the Golden Horseshoe? I mean, you look at Toronto's history, you look at Ottawa's history, of course, Kingston and Niagara are much older and have a, a different history. But, you know, what, what sets Hamilton apart? Well, there is a much older underbelly to the city. I know that sounded bad, but there's a much more historic piece underneath. It's almost like peeling away the layers of an onion. Because the city of Hamilton itself is not the most historic aspect. If you look at the city itself, it was founded in 1840 something, 47, something like that. You know, it's, it's old, but not old in, in normal standards, especially if you go down to the United States. But look beneath that. What is Hamilton made up of? And this is where that real history comes from, is the loyalist towns that make up 
the land that Hamilton now sits on. So towns that currently still have their names, such as Ancaster, Dundas, Stony Creek, Flamborough. Um, no, I don't think Waterdown was a loyalist town, but it still has history. And of course, the one I want to mention is Barton. Now you're probably asking, oh, well, you know, where where is Barton? I've never heard of it. Well, Barton is what Hamilton is now. So the the center part of the city that they changed the name of used to be the township of Barton. So that's where the uh, Barton Street and a few other buildings in the town and businesses have that name. So it comes from the history. And one other surrounding town that's going to come into this podcast a little bit later on is Albion Mills. Now that one has also been wiped off the map. If you know Albion Falls, which is a very popular location to visit, beautiful waterfall in the city, the city of waterfalls, then you then that is where the Albion Mills town used to be. All that remains is the waterfall where they ran their mills off of, and um, there's a small cemetery and the ruins of a blacksmith shop that are located within a new housing survey. But that's going to come back a little bit later. For now, I want to kind of dive into that idea of history. So Hamilton was made up of a bunch of loyalist towns. If you don't know what a loyalist is, basically during the American Revolution, uh, British subjects that wanted to stay loyal to the British crown instead of staying in the United States where they might be in trouble, they might have violence done to them, they fled. And Canada, well, Upper Canada, which is now Ontario today, was still strongly held by the British. So the offer went out to anybody who would become a loyalist to come on up to Upper Canada and you will receive free land. Now, so many stories of the pioneers that built our region come from this time now one person i do want to mention as an aside that's very much related to the city of hamilton is a man named robert hamilton now robert hamilton was a merchant in niagara and the answer is no the city was not named after robert hamilton the city was actually named after his son so robert was a very prominent merchant he was also an assistance for a lot of the loyalist families that were coming up. He could, you know, send them off and, you know, the tracts of lands were identified for the different families that were coming in. He played a big part in all of that. His family, very prominent, as I've already mentioned, his son George would be the one who came to the land that would eventually be known as the city of Hamilton. He is the namesake of the city. If you want to visit uh, his his uh, family's plot in the Hamilton Cemetery across from Dundurn Castle, if you drive inside to the left, there's this big gray, gray gravestone with a uh, ball on the top of it. That's the Hamilton family plot. It's where George and his family are. Not Robert, though. So Robert was married twice, I believe. Uh, his second wife was named Catherine. And just to give you an idea of how prominent the family was, the city of St. Catharines is named after her. So then just as a final note, you may, I mentioned where George Hamilton's family is buried. Well, where, is, where are these prominent folks? Well, this is the, the cool, interesting part. Not cool for them, cool for us in the future. 
is it's a virtually unknown family plot. If you guys uh, never heard of it, do a search for Willow Bank Mansion. It's in Queenston Heights. And as you're coming along the scenic route going from Niagara-on-the-Lake to Niagara Falls, you will go through Queenston. You'll pass by the entrance to Willow Bank. There's a sign there. But if you uh, go just before the curve, there's a rusted-out fence. Yes, you heard me correctly. A rusted-out fence on the top of a small hill. And if you go through that fence, it leads you to this this other Hamilton family plot. So Robert Hamilton's in there. Catherine is also in there. I, I did a video. Um, it's on the Ghost Walks YouTube page. So if you do a search for that, just do search for uh, uh, Hamilton Family Cemetery or something like that, or just go to the Ghost Walks page. I don't know. Technical stuff. But you get an idea of how prominent the Hamilton family was. And that was my, <laughs> my last interesting point. So Hamilton is made up of all these loyalist towns, which means the history of it doesn't start with the history that you know for the city of Hamilton. It actually goes much deeper. This is the part that not a lot of people know about. So this is the part that gets confused. And why this history matters, well, if you believe in ghosts like I do, you have to know that history is what connects you to it. History is the reason why places can be so haunted. If you had a tract of land that was never used before, and I stuck a modern house on it, chances are, unless I bring something in with me, it's not going to be haunted. But a, a, a tract of land, or even a historic house itself, which is even more powerful, that's had somebody who lived in it, that uh, events have occurred, tragic and happy, that have created this energy that leads, leads to the ghost stories, then you know that it's going to be a very haunted place. Now, England is a good example of this. Italy and any, any country that has a, a much deeper history than the little baby that we know as, as Canada that's been around for so, so few years in comparison to some of those places... You know, they'll know that the ghost stories are much more powerful and more, more, more vibrant in such historic places. But why? Why is Hamilton different? I mean, you could say, yeah, Niagara on the lake and Kingston, Ontario, both have loyalist histories that date back into the 1700s. So, yeah, we have those towns with a loyalist history, but why does Hamilton stand apart from the rest? And this is where it gets interesting. This is a city with edge. Now, if you're not familiar, I mean, I've already kind of touched on the, the factories, but it's, a, it, it's, it's considered a tough town. You know, the factory past, uh, growing up, my father was a steel worker. I know a lot of Hamiltonians who grew up in the city, their fathers were also steel workers. And it's just, you, you have this feel to it. So the pride runs deep. The thought process of its citizens are always as the underdog, which would explain why we have many prominent people, celebrities and business people, 
who have gone on to great things because they've always seen themselves as the underdog as the city is in the shadow of of Toronto and of course you could even say you know being in the shadow of Niagara Falls so we don't really stand out so you gotta gotta make it stand out now I said it was kind of in the middle as well and this also leads some of the criminal history of the city that gives it its unique edge and Hamilton was a true mob town now if you wanted to compare it to any other city in the states where the mafia story is much more prevalent then you could compare it to a Chicago we have historical characters in our mob history uh, bootlegger Rocco Perry which was our version of Al Capone I'm not talking about just for the city I'm talking about for the province mostly southern Ontario which is where the focal point was and then of course uh, later on in the uh, the Papalias and the Lupinos and the different families that had a ton of control for the region then they they called Hamilton home now you could say oh it was because of that tough energy and maybe it was maybe something lured them here but it was also because of geography so we got to be uh, honest about that that uh, Hamilton is centrally located to the border, uh, down across the border, and of course, the city of Toronto, that for the Golden Horseshoe, this would be your best launching point to get to both accesses and, and, and uh, businesses and, of course, criminal enterprises have seen the value in all of that. So because of this, we get these very amazing haunted locations. You know, there's, there's so many of them that have ghost stories. And I could tell you the main ones, and you'd recognize anything that's run as a museum. Usually has a couple ghost stories like Dundurn Castle, uh, Whitehern Mansion, which is featured on the downtown uh, ghost walk that I run here. And, uh, you know, the, there's, a, there's a list. Now, I'm not going to get into the list today. I haven't fully prepared for that as you can probably hear right now. A future podcast, I, I'll, I'll feature some Hamilton locations. But what I want to finally cover in this week's podcast to kind of shoot the point home of how this place has an edge, I'm going to focus on one of the loyalist towns. Now, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, Albion Mills. Remember, that's where Albion Falls is located. Now, Albion Mills was a roughneck town. This was a place that was known for its reputation of being filled with, the term wasn't around, but you could say blue-collared workers. These weren't the high-ups in society. These were the ones who worked in the mill. And Albion, Albion Mills got the reputation for that. Just to give you an idea. There's a story that comes from the time that the, uh, the mills were at full swing and there was a tavern, the building's long gone. And in the evening time, a man left the tavern, was heading home for the night and walking through the pitch black fields. He saw a shadow in one of the fields. Now, I guess he's drunk, so every person that he might come in contact with wants to fight him. It's obvious. So he uh, runs up to the person and he shoves him. The person shoves him back, so he realizes, okay, this guy, he's brought uh, hands to a knife fight. 
he pulls out a knife and stabs him a bunch of times and then runs off into the dark field. Now, the next day, the uh, farmer who owns the land where the fight occurred, he comes outside and he is uh, very upset because his his dinner had been ruined. <laughs> he had a bunch of stab knife marks in it. He had hung a pig uh, for bloodletting. <laughs> And he comes outside to see that somebody has stabbed it a bunch of times. So it was not a person, it was a pig. That's a little bit of a lighthearted story that comes from a town, but this sets it. You know, you understand the type of people that uh, called this place home. And that uh, wasn't really considered too out of the ordinary. But of course, you're on a ghost story podcast. So we're not just going to focus on that. i got to focus on the resident ghost of the area. I'm sure she's not the only one, but she is definitely the most known. And she has become kind of a legend in Hamilton history. And of course, I am talking about Jane Riley. Now, I will start by reading you the poem. Just to give you an idea of what I'm about to talk about, there was a poem written by a man who was simply called Slater. Alas, Poor Jane Riley, for Joseph she did die by jumping off that dizzy brink a full 60 cubits high. Now this is a story of love lost and death. Jane Riley was a young girl who lived in Albion Mills. and She fell in love with a man named Joseph Rousseau. Now if you are local to Hamilton, you might recognize the Rousseau name. It was high society back in the day. Uh, today, it is more known in, this, in the town of Ancaster. She falls in love with Joseph, who is kind of known behind the scenes as a bit of a player. But she, you know, through her love, the, the goggles she wears, she cannot see this. So no matter how many times he would cheat on her and, and scorn her love, she would just ignore it. A word would get back to her about his affairs. Yeah, even one, one uh, a rumor that went through the town is that in the local church, Joseph had seen with, been seen with a local prostitute. But again, Jane just ignores this because he could do no wrong in her eyes. Now, Joseph's mother had an iron grip control over her son. And she would constantly tell him, just, you know, let the girl go. She's not of your station. You don't want to lead her on. Just let her go. And Joseph would kind of laugh it off, but continue uh, dragging Jane Riley along. Now, on the outside, Jane would just stand up for Joseph and say he was a good person and constantly, you know, shoot down all the rumors. But on the inside, we think it was affecting her because she started to go slowly insane. Leading up to her death, people would see her wandering the woods that now surround Albion Falls. They would see her with her hair disheveled. She would always be talking to herself. They could never really make out what she was saying. And then the day came. Now we take this from the point of the witnesses. These were workers of the mill that were at the bottom of the falls outside that day. They saw two young girls standing at the precipice of the falls towards the top. Now, it was on the left was a friend, a name lost to history, and on the right was Jane Riley. 
and it seemed like the friend was trying to stop her from doing something as she grabs at Jane's dress, but Jane pushes her away and then pitches herself off the precipice. The workers below watch in shock. Now, I'm sure this scene must have slowed down for them while they watched, even though it would only take seconds. But there's one note that kind of stands out. One of the workers said as a witness that he was determined that Jane wanted to die. Because as she was falling feet first down into the rocks, that she, um, her dress, one of those old-fashioned Victorian dresses, uh, billowed out at the side and turned into a parachute that was slowing her descent. And that she had the presence of mind to push the fabric down so that she would fall quicker. She hits the rocks below. A worker will run up to her and she's just kind of muttering words to herself he can't understand. And about an hour later, she was dead. Now, Joseph Rousseau's mother kind of took this in, in a strange fashion. You wouldn't have accepted, but I guess the way she talked to Joseph, maybe you could say that she did feel guilt and she just used the idea of, of station to try and talk her into son, her son to end the relationship. But she said publicly that to let the death of Jane Riley fall on her shoulders. As a follow-up to the story that I don't fully believe is they say that uh, about a year later that uh, the family was over for dinner and that uh, Joseph's mother screamed out, Jane's hand is on my shoulder and then fell dead to the floor. Again, you got to question the stories in these legends and that... Seems a little over top to me. I don't know. Maybe that is how she died. If you guys know, please contact me. ggdaniel at ghostwalks.com But in the end, Jane Riley was dead. Joseph Rousseau went on with his life. And today we only talk about him through the legend, if that gives some solace to this tragic story of a woman wronged in love. Even today, we still talk about her more than any Joseph Rousseau. If you talk about her experiences, people who are up at the Albion Falls area, especially at night, might hear somebody whispering to themselves from the woods. And other people have actually seen her wandering through the bushes and trees, her hair disheveled. Now, this is something for teens to think about who are uh, up there going parking you know if they uh, have any experiences of course you don't have to tell me what was going on before that i don't want to know but uh any other experiences please do share them with me as always i'd love to hear from you about anything uh the ggd uh the ghost guide daniel facebook page is is um technically not the best way to get a hold of me these days i am going to shoot for the old-fashioned method um Bucking social media. I'm going to go with my email, so ggdaniel at ghostwalks.com. And uh, hopefully, in the near future, I'll start doing some interviews. I actually have somebody lined up to talk about the West Virginia Penitentiary. I just haven't felt comfortable enough to do it yet. That will change soon, as I am very excited to turn myself into my best impression of, of Larry King and really, really get the details out. And uh, do amazing interviews in the future. But that's it for me this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll talk to you next week.